Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. All eyes continue to be on North Korea as well. We're really thrilled to have joining us on the program today, Scott Snyder, Senior Fellow for Korea Studies and Director of the Program of U.S.-Korea Policy at the Council on Foreign Relations. And uh, Scott, thanks so much for joining us. Sure. Glad to be here. Well, we've obviously been watching uh, a lot of the things with North Korea over the last uh, several years in terms of what they've been doing. Uh, Yesterday was a, a little bit different in terms of what they fired off, how much they fired off, and where they fired it. Give us uh, an update there. That's right. It appears we're in a cycle of escalations over the last 24 hours. Uh, the North Koreans have shot off over 20 short-range missiles Uh, And some of those uh, missiles actually landed to the south of the neutral limit line, uh, which is the de facto maritime border between North and South Korea. And one of them also went in the direction of uh, an island uh, off of the South Korean coast. Not that close, but close enough that it generated uh, public notices on TV and on phones that the missile uh, launch had occurred. Yeah, you mentioned this being a uh, an escalation season, uh, to be sure, as it relates with North Korea. Is there anything unique about this? Uh, is this more of the same with maybe just a little more cowbell, or uh, what's the, the message being sent? I think we have to step back and put this into context. Uh, the North Koreans are on a military development program that they actually set out last year as a five-year plan to achieve, and it includes a lot of short-range ballistic missiles. But there's a new administration in South Korea uh, that came into office in May, uh, and the North Koreans usually like to test the mettle of new South Korean leaders. And I think that we do see rising escalation in that context. Plus, the South Korean, the new South Korean leader has reverted to doing joint exercises with the U.S. on the pace and tempo and type uh, that had been done back in up through 2017 before 2018, which was our period of diplomacy with North Korea, where you had a bromance between Trump and Kim Jong-un. Uh, And so now that cycle of exercises has resumed, and the North Koreans are uh, using uh, those uh, readiness exercises as a pretext for raising tensions and uh, generating a crisis. Yeah, I think that's so interesting, especially the uh, testing of the the new leader uh, in South Korea. Those those changing of the guard moments are, are always interesting uh, I know you've done uh, the deep dive on uh, so much of this. I know you're the co-editor of North Korea's foreign policy, the Kim Jong-un regime in a, in a hostile world. I think that comes out in January. Um, give us some insight into that from a, from a foreign policy standpoint. What does that actually mean uh, for the United States? What should we be watching in the days ahead? Well, unfortunately, the latest statements from Kim Jong-un following this period of uh, the remarkable period of diplomacy that occurred between 2018 and 2019 between not only Kim Jong-un and Trump, but also with other international leaders as well, we've seen the North Koreans kind of revert to an internal focus sustained by the pandemic uh, and with and, and a focus really on internal strengthening. Mm-hmm. And so I actually think that one of the main lessons learned from Summitry for Kim Jong-un himself was that he couldn't just claim to be strong and expect the U.S. to be impressed with his claims of strength. He had to develop strength in order to be able to negotiate uh, and achieve his aims with the U.S. Uh, and, of course, the aims that Kim Jong-un wants to achieve with the U.S. are really audacious aims because North Korea wants to be accepted as a nuclear weapons state. And the U.S. is 
unlikely, I think, to take that step. Yeah. Tell us how the things we've also been monitoring, obviously, over the last uh, few hours, the, I guess, the, the, I don't know if they're revelations or they're just confirmations that uh, North Korea has been sending uh, shells and some of those kinds of things uh, to Russia as Russia tries to rearm itself uh, as it continues its, its battle on Ukraine. Yeah, those are statements, I think, that came out today from the spokesperson over at the White House that underscores some earlier reporting that I first saw in The New York Times related to the possibility that North Korea might be a source for Russian munitions. And, you know, it's really an interesting story in the sense that, A, that's an awfully long supply line if you're getting your weapons from North Korea, uh, and it suggests a level of depletion on the part of the Russians uh, that is a little bit shocking. But B, it's a huge political opportunity uh, for North Korea to gain support from a veto-wielding permanent Security Council member Mm. that can protect North Korea from the possibility of renewed sanctions through the UN. And this is particularly relevant because there have been rumors that North Korea might conduct a seventh nuclear test any day now. Uh, Historically, when those have happened, the U.N. has come down hard on North Korea with additional sanctions. But I can guarantee you the likelihood of that happening under these geopolitical conditions uh, with U.S. and Russia at odds and U.S. and China at odds is very low. Yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting. Is there anything else to or anything else that you've uh, discovered in your sources or your reporting as it relates to North Korea and Russia? Is there any other a deepening of ties, I, I think what you've pointed out in terms of Russia and its role at the UN uh, in terms of any nuclear activity, is there anything else that's that's showing a deepening of those relationships or is this uh, simply transactions? Well, yes, I, I, it is a deepening relationship that I think is built on transactionalism. And the moment that signaled this to me was uh, an exchange of statements back in August between Putin and Kim Jong-un, where they talked about strengthening the strategic and tactical foundations for their relationship. And that has occurred in the context of North Korea being a very early, maybe one of the only countries to actually recognize the breakaway republics that Russia has set up inside Ukraine. And there also have been rumors of possible requests for North Korea to provide uh, some kind of labor for reconstruction of those areas. And of course, that supply of labor is explicitly prohibited by past UN Security Council resolutions that Russia had agreed to back in 2017. Uh, Very important. And finally, just uh, anything else on your horizon? What are you watching for in the days ahead? Well, because this is a cycle of escalation, we have to uh, see the peak. And I don't think that we've seen that peak yet. Uh, And then the major issue becomes how you wind things down. And I believe uh, that one tool in North Korea's toolbox to try to control escalation is simply the ability to offer, oh, yes, now it's time to talk. I think that that would take the air out of the balloon in terms of tensions, uh, but it wouldn't necessarily cost anything because anybody who's watched North Korea for a long time knows that talking uh, at the negotiating table is one thing, gaining concessions is something completely different. Great insight. Scott Snyder, Senior Fellow for Korea Studies and Director of the Program on U.S.-Korea Policy at the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, has a a work coming out in January uh, on North Korea's foreign policy, the Kim Jong-un regime in a hostile world. Uh, Great insight, Scott. Really appreciate you jumping on with us today. Sure. Glad to talk to you. Such good uh, perspective there from Scott Snyder. And obviously, North Korea uh, continues to want to be a player 
even though uh, it doesn't have a lot of the leverage points, uh, obviously the nuclear component has become the leverage point. And as Scott pointed out, that showing of strength uh, gives them an ability to negotiate from a position of strength. And we'll continue to watch that. We'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, March to the midterms, battleground of all battleground counties and how it could predict the 2022 election results. Stay with us. We'll talk about that coming up next on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio.